Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, June 25th, 2023. Today's sermon will be from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. This morning we will be moving out of chapter 11. We're going to be in, in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Before I read those verses, the title of my sermon, uh, which I think will be, I think it's the point of the, of the two verses, and then continuing all, on into verse into chapter 12, is, is faithful endurance in the gospel race. So we are in the race of the gospel, the race of faith, as we just found from, from Hebrews 11. So that's the title of, of the message. Let me read these first two verses, and then we'll pray, and then we'll get started. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder, perfecter, the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God let's pray together Heavenly Father again we come before you this morning and at this time with these words before us and uh, Father we're very humbled we know we cannot receive anything properly unless it is received by faith and we know that faith comes by hearing hearing the word father we know that if we even go back further than that that faith is a gift it is a result of your calling and and the new birth regeneration and so because of this we know that faith is powerful so i pray that that by faith those who are Christians today would receive this word, receive these words, um, and put them into practice. Those who are not Christians, I pray that, Father, today they, their eyes might be open, their ears might uh, also be able to hear the gospel today and, and look unto Christ and also turn unto Christ and fix our, all of our affections and, and all that we are upon Christ. I pray that in spite of me, you would, you would work pray that Jesus would be lifted up. I pray that he would increase, that I, that we would decrease. I pray that your word, that you would be made big and great. And I just uh, put this, this time into your hands. Help us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So this passage this morning is probably one of the best examples in the New Testament of how the Christian endures in this life, which is pictured as a race. And as we've seen, this is, the life, this is the life of faith from Hebrews 11. This, is, <clears throat> this race is the race of those who have believed on the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the race of those who, to put it another way, follow Jesus. This is the race of those who have made the great profession, those who have received what they have heard. And as Christians today, we are, all of us, in some part of this race. 
<clears throat> whether it's beginning or middle or end, we don't know, but we are in this, this race. And the, <clears throat> Jesus says in Matthew 24, 13, those who, who endure to the end will be saved. Very important. This is why this text is so important for us, because who here does not want to endure to the end? And our instructions could not be more clear. Therefore, we need these words this morning. We need to listen to them. We need to take them into our heart, listen to them with our, with our minds. We need to then take them out and put them into practice um, so that we might endure with patience this race that is before us. So God is good to give us these words this morning. So with this in mind, I have four truths from the passage that will help us. Whatever you're going through, whatever it is, whatever your lot is in this life and everything that's happening, these four truths will help us endure in this race. So here they are. First one, we are not the first ones to run the race. I'll be very brief on that point, but that's Hebrews 11. We are not alone, so we are not the first. That's number one. Number two, we must run an efficient race. Three, we must keep on running the race. And then four, we must keep our eyes, even as we sung in our second song, fix our eyes on the goal of the race, which is the Lord Jesus himself. So number one, again, very briefly on truth number one, we are not the first ones to run this race. The text tells us that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, those who have gone before us. Now, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to get off too much on this. On there are a lot of things mentioned about who those witnesses are, but it's pretty clear to me that it's just those of Hebrews 11 and, reading the whole book of Hebrews, anyone who has gone before us in faith together. All of those folks who have gone before us. <clears throat> we get the word here. We're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. This is the word in Greek, martyr. We've changed that word into to those who were killed. But it really just means <clears throat> witness. Those who have borne witness. And those who, even, who, of course, have lost their lives witnessing. So I don't think they are just up there just kind of saying that in such a way that we say it. Just watching us. That is not the point of this text. Though they may be. But instead, they bear witness, they bore witness to the truth in which we stand today. Our text tells us they had faith. And faith bears witness and says, this is true. So if you are a person of faith today, what you say, here's what you say. You say, Jesus is Lord. And we know that by faith. These are the spectators. Also who have run the race before us. They've taken part. Their story is very much like our stories, and ours is very much like theirs. They attest to the truth. I think the picture here might be the court of law. When someone brings in a witness to say, what did you see happen? And so they come in and they say, yes, I saw what happened, and I will testify this person was not there at that, what you're accusing him of. They are they are. Yes, they are guilty or not. I saw or I did not see. And so these folks that have gone before us have said, you know what? As they leave and look, we say in a manner of speaking, they look forward and they say, faith will carry you through 
all that you are called to endure and to suffer in the profession of the gospel. This means for us, we are not alone. Many others have run the race and have finished the race that is set before us. So when we think about those folks from Hebrews 11, they are real people, real history, real families, put on their pants just like we do. Some were rich, some were poor. We went over that in the last few weeks. They are just like us. So when we look back at those folks, the Hebrews 11 is meant to encourage you and to encourage us to see everything they went through, that whatever is going on today, whether it's peace times, whether it's war times, whether it's suffering, whatever it is, or persecution, or just the sins that, that, that get us in this world, they <clears throat> went before us, and they are very... So I would encourage you just to, from time to time when you're feeling down, you're like, I, I just can't go on. This faith is too hard. Go back and read. Hebrews chapter, chapter 11. So that's truth number one. We, we are not alone. We're not the first ones to run this race. Second truth that will help us. We must run an efficient race. Look at verse 1. We are told to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely to us. I think... <clears throat> it's very obvious. The picture is running a race, okay? I don't know. Does anybody here run cross country? Where's Brooks today? He's not here. Um, there he is right there. He looks so much like the other. Oh, sorry, Brooks. I live vicariously through you with your dad sometimes, so sorry, Brooks. You're just going to get it. But I know that some of us have run cross country. I ran cross country not because I just loved it. I just thought, you know, I'll be in better shape. It'll help me. I'll run cross country. But when I ran back in high school, two years, I got rid of it pretty quickly. I haven't run the cross country since then. But when I was running, I didn't wear hiking shoes. I didn't really wear long sleeve vests or long sleeve shirts or put on thick socks or I didn't wear a big hat. Why did I not put those things on? Because I want to run fast. So we wore a little light tank top. Hardly nothing of shorts and in very light shoes so we could run fast. So that's, in other words, we, I wanted to run the race, get rid of any weight that might keep me from winning. Keep me, I, did, I never won, but keep me from running it to the end. So that's one picture of getting rid of things or weighty things. Another picture, I, I remember we were living in Kazan all those years and we would often have small teams come out, like JB and Ellie and, 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 and Gil are going this week. But we'd have these teams come out, and they would be staying for just, a, you know, seven to ten days. And we'd go to the airport, and my job was airport runs. I'd go to the airport, and there they would be. And some of those folks had the biggest bags, bags, not just bag, for a seven-day trip that you would ever think. And, of course, I was very nice. I was thinking, oh, yeah, that's really nice. But I'm thinking, what in the world have you got in that bag? And some of these ladies, particularly with, with everything. I mean, I just, and, and some of the men too, maybe, but everything that you could have mentioned would be put in those bags, whether it's pillows or makeup kits or the kitchen sink. It, did, it was just there. And I'm thinking, I remember thinking, how long are you staying here? <laughs> but 
we do the same thing as families too when you go to the beach for a week and you go after you've packed the car what do you think we're only going to be there a few days so we're just so many things one well, the same kind of way this is what Paul is saying about running the race get rid of those things get rid of the stuff you don't need in this race in this profession as a Christian a life of faith get rid of the things that weigh you down get a, get rid of the things that cause you to run slowly or to hinder your efficiency um, and so he says another picture that's the the weight another picture is he says lay aside the sin that so e easily entangles really the word there is clings clings to you how if you've done laundry before I mean how many how many times when we put the the new sheets on our bed and there's a sock in there or you do the laundry and there's a sock stuck to stuck to your shirt uh, in some way shape or form that's kind of the picture here some kind of sin is clinging to you and stuck with you and as I went back and looked at this word um, to 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 lay aside it was used many many times in the New Testament only one time in Acts 7 48 did it not speak of sin but in all the other ways that we see this word in the New Testament it talks about laying aside the old nature or laying aside sin let me give you some examples Ephesians 4 22 Paul says speaking of those in Ephesus there Gentiles particularly who had become Christians he says here's what you do put off your old self the same word that we see here in Hebrews 12 put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life which means there was a change of life and there must be a clear putting it off casting aside laying it aside put off your former manner of life which is corrupt through deceitful desires and put on the new self and then again in verse 25 therefore having put away falsehood in other words you know many of those who are here even here today had a problem with with just lying or twisting the truth he says cast it off you're not a Christian that's not how Christians act take it away <clears throat> Colossians 3 7 to 10 in these you too once walked when you were living in them but now you must put them all away there's there's a word again here's what he says put away this is some application for us now as Christians anger wrath malice slander obscene talk from your mouth do not lie to one another seeing that you have put off our word again the old self with its practices and have put on the new self James 1 verse 21 therefore put away there's our word again all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls I mean how how do we receive with humility the word when it's preached or when it's read in our quiet times or it's listened to how do we receive that? 1 Peter 2, 1. So, put away, there's our word, all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. I think the meaning of these two pictures in our text are clear. 
as we run this race, faith, the gospel, as we strive to obey the commands of our Lord, it is our duty, it is a command to get rid of these things, these weights and these sins that cling to us. And this is the race of the Christian life, the race we, we would call the race of the gospel. So when we think about the Hebrews, so we're moving our way through, we've heard this many times, but for those folks who received this letter, they, were, they had become Christians. Many of them were, were at least professing Christ. Some of them were going back to the old ways of Judaism, the old Mosaic system. And they were moving away from the one-time sacrifice of Christ. So that was their context. So that was going on. And when we think about us, you know, when we think about laying off or putting off and struggling with sin in this life, there's always the ongoing struggle with sin with every believer. But what are some specifics? What are some weights, some sins that cling to us? I'll just mention a few general ones. Um, but one of those is, what we see in the New Testament is just love for the world. Do not love the world, the things of this world. First John, just go read First John, you'll see that over and over. And I'm not talking about just not loving nature. We love the things that God has created. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the sinful, evil world that is contrary to the things of God. I think of the, do you remember the parable of the sower? He speaks of those who hear the word, those who receive the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things, they enter in, they choke the word, proves unfruitful. Brothers and sisters, many, 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 many people have made professions of faith, but yet this ends up being what happens. The cares of this world come their way. Another big category what about the, just the love for power pride Jesus often spoke to the religious leaders during his time about those who love the approval of man the approval of this world those who sit at the heads of tables and give prayers in front of people that's another big sin I think something that that we just have to be 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 aware of another one I think a particular one, and this is going to get a little bit harder for us, and this is, I mentioned this last week, but I, I think one of our big sins that weighs us down and one of the things that clings to us is, is a love for entertainment. Um, we all, there's nothing wrong with entertainment. I mean, even when it comes to, to work and, and rest, I think we see very clearly you know, work six days hard and rest, rest one. Well, that's the pattern of the, of the scriptures. But it seems to me that, that we've had things so easy in America for so many years now that, that entertainment just becomes, you know, now we work less. And we work four, five days, six days, four days. And, and that, that, that could be okay too. But just uh, this is general, guys. This is general. But the love for entertainment, I think, I'm, I'm going to point out particularly our, our uh, I see this with, could be with everybody, but particularly our, our young, younger men. Um, if there is free time, what are most young men doing? Um, 
it, 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 there's just a lot of, of video games going on that just last for, don't get me wrong, I love video games. I play video games, okay? I'd love to play a video game with you, but what if we spend three, four, five hours a day or every other day playing? Well, again, there's nothing wrong with entertainment, nothing wrong with a video game, but do you see that it may maybe weighs you down as you try to memorize Scripture? Well, that goes out the door. Well, what about just being faithful to read? Um, and, and again, I'm talking about video games. We could talk about television, how much time we spend there. We could talk about playing disc golf with me. We, we can talk about all kinds of things, okay? None of those things are wrong in and of themselves, so please don't hear me say that. It could, it, it, there's, there's a lot of things we could say there, but it could hinder us from, from praying. It could hinder us from meeting with another believer to bring them along, to say, I want to make a disciple of this person. It could hinder, it certainly hinders, these entertainment could hinder, you know, the relationship between husband and wife. And in, if we neglect our families, let me just ask, are you understanding me? I think we all get this, okay? So that's something that we have to think. What is, I'll apply this some more in a minute, but what, what is that sin that so clings to you that might hinder you from running the race efficiently? Titus 3.14 says this, And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. I think that maybe... Too much entertainment and, and the love for the world and, and love for power and all the ways that uh, these other things as well, they apply as well, but they keep us from devoting ourselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. We must, I think, at the end of the day, the, uh, where your treasure is, there your what is. We could switch that around. Where your heart is. That's your treasure, because at the end of the day, you do what you want to do, right? That, that, don't, don't tell me, oh, I didn't mean to do that. Oh, I didn't, I didn't mean to get upset. No, we know what you mean when you say that, but uh, I didn't mean to spend four hours on that in that day. No, we, at the end of the day, we do what we want to do, all of us. And that's just, a, that's just a principle of life. And so don't forget that where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So there are things we can do if we are Christians, if we are maybe falling away from these things, to say, I want Jesus to be my treasure. You know, Jesus says, if your right hand calls you to sin, cut it out. If, you, if your eye calls you to sin, gouge it out. There are things that we can do. So I think at the end of the day, though, in the context of Hebrews, as we'll see next in the coming weeks, the biggest weight really is an unbelieving heart. Um, and I think that's at, that's at the end of all these things. That's what happens. If we pursue the things of this world, what will the result be? If we pursue entertainment, we pursue love of money, we pursue the love of the world, we pursue power, what's going to be at the end of the, end of the road for us? An unbelieving heart. We will fall away just as some of the Hebrews did. And so it's easy I mean, excuse me, it's never easy to talk about our sins. And I know this has been a difficult time of application right here, for sure. But as, as a pastor, I must do this. And I must 
as elders, we must do this in, in our preaching and our teaching. And we also must look inside and say, and I am, I'm looking inside. And we are looking inside to pro- try our best to practice what we preach because we're all sinners. And we all fall in all of these ways. But we must do our best to, to practice what we preach. So let me, before moving on to truth number three, let me just give a few, three very quick statements of application. First application. The lust of the flesh is always at war with the Spirit. This means that we must always fight to obey the truths of this verse. What I'm asking you to do, what the Scripture is asking us to do, is not easy. It's not easy because it's always a fight. It is not that we just give in, um, you know, one day and say, I'm not going to fight today. I'll fight in a couple days. <laughs> it's like... It's not like my diet where I'm like, oh, I'm going to give up for a few months. I'll catch it next week, right? That's what I'm doing right now. So it's not like that. It is an every day. By, by the way, by, living by faith, I'm not putting on the same time thing as my diet, okay? Don't hear me say that. It's just a picture, okay? Living by faith, fighting this fight, is running this race is an everyday fight because lust of the flesh is always contrary to the Spirit. Another application. With each of us, and I've already mentioned this, but with each one of us, with you, if you're listening, there are sins that so cling closely to you. My sins are going to be different than yours. My tests from the Lord as well are going to be different tests and temptations. And so know that. Because we, if I were to have a private conversation with each one of you and ask you these questions... We would get to the bottom of it and you'd say, yep, this is the one I struggle with. This is the two. It's not that we don't struggle with others, but some of us struggle very little with, with say, lust. But some of us struggle greatly. Some of us struggle li- little with, the, the, with power or with money. or th- love. But some of us struggle greatly. And so always know that, that you have that. And we, at the same time, we must fight to get rid of that so we might run efficiently. And quickly, last point here on application, battling sin together, together, that's the key, battling sin is a community affair. We should be involved in one another's lives. I don't know how well we do that here at Grace because we're also private. We're not very transparent and we don't want people to see our sins. But we must, at least on a home group level or a one-on-one level, it's not that everybody's going to know about everything that's going on, but we must be willing as a church to confess our sins one to another and share with one another, particularly our home groups. Um, but it is to stay godly and to run this race with endurance, we need the church. We need brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's move on. Number three, if we want to run this race with endurance, we must keep running. Our text says, let us look there. Let us run with endurance the race set before us. The picture here is stamina and patience in the stamina. I mean, if you've got a good hard workout going on and you're doing an hour and a half, you kind of have to be a little bit patient to make it through the whole thing, but you have stamina at the same time. There's persistence. There is strength. I think of the, I always think of this, I think of that, that movie Finding Nemo, and a lot of us have probably seen it's one of our favorites because it's all about Australia, and they're head, oh, we got all the Aussies here on the front row, and so we're heading down 
to Sydney Harbor to find Nemo's son with Dory, the little blue fish that can't remember anything. And, uh, and so what does she say when he gets distracted? And he's like, I can't move on. I don't want to keep going. Can't do it, can't do it. She just says, keep on swimming. You know, that's all. she kind of starts singing. Keep on swimming, keep on swimming. Well, that's what we are to do in this life as Christians. We are to keep on swimming. We are to keep on running the race that is before us. Um, I think of John chapter 6. Very difficult words of Jesus. If you go back and read John 6, he's telling them they need to, to, to eat his flesh and drink his blood. He's talking about, really, faith, trusting in him, um, doing the works that he did. And many, he had many people around him, but many left. Many left. So he goes to his disciples, those closer, particularly the apostles, and he says, are you guys going to leave me as well? And you remember what Peter, he represents all of them usually when we see statements like this. Peter comes up real quickly and says, no, Lord. I think the others would have said the same often, but Peter seems to be the most aggressive one. But Peter just comes out and he says, you know, Lord, where will we go? You have the words of eternal life. That, those words should hit us now. You have the words of eternal life. Where else are you going to go? I hope and I pray that it will not be towards the things of this world, idolatry, these things that I, some of these things I've just mentioned. But the clear implication for this text is, and for this, this verse is endurance. Um, and, and I think an implication here is that this race is hard. Life is short, full of troubles. I'll probably say it again next week, the week after. I'll probably say it again today. But So let me just think through this as well. What are some applications for us as we keep on swimming, as we keep on running the race? Well, first, application. We must trust the sovereignty of God to know, or we might say His providence, His moving of our lives and giving us what we have, what you have in your life. Um, this, this, this comes out really clear. Look at verse 2 there. Uh, actually, it's, verse, it's, it's, it's both of them. But uh, verse 2, looking to Jesus, founder and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that was set before him. We're going to come back to this in a minute. Um, the, the text is, is really clear that God is the one who sets the boundaries of the race. We're not just... We've got a 5K to run. Well, me and some guys. Joe, remember we missed the mark one time? Everybody thought we won the race. We skipped a mile. That was great. <laughs> well, we didn't set out the markers for that race. And we didn't know the race. Well, we know the race. But we didn't know where we were going. <laughs> That's, that was a funny story. But anyway... We didn't set those things out. The, the people who set it up set the markers. God sets out the markers for your race, for my race, for your family's race. So, you know, whatever is, is going on. Um, suffering, again, anxiety, depression. Um, you know, what, whatever is happening in your life as far as special tests that are coming because you're standing up for your faith. Whatever is coming, even in your own tests, 
and temptations with your own sin, where you live in your house, who you have got as your family. And we're all looking around our families. We're going, wow, we got some soap operas going on. Well, all of us have those families. Everybody. Okay? Because we're all sinners. We're all in a big ocean pool with Dory and Marlon and Nemo in the sense that we are in this world. God is no respecter of persons in that way. But God is providentially putting your life together. And, you know, we can say he allows. We can say he causes. doesn't really matter. He is in control and he has is, he is set the race. And so we must remember, whatever your boundaries are, God has set it. You have not set it yourself. So therefore... Know that God is good. He's not punishing you as a Christian when bad things happen or come your way. Now, He might be disciplining you, and I'm seeing that more and more. We're going we're to get there in the next coming verses particularly. How does God discipline us? But He is disciplining us. And some of the time, I used to think, well, I don't feel like I, I've ever been disciplined by God. I used to think that. Now I'm getting a little different perspective on things and a little better understanding of this, I think, as we move into those verses. But We'll get there, but for now, know that God is a good Father, but He has given you what you have. So, endure. Endure with patience. Another application. God tells us what to expect in this race. He, again, he, not only does He set out our markers, He tells us how we run and how we're to get there, and He, he gives us helps to make it through. We don't know the specifics, of course, but we know... We live in a world filled with sin and all kinds of evils. And we know that life is full of sufferings and even persecutions as, as followers of Christ. So there's no secret here. Um, it, do, do you remember all the experiences of Hebrews 11? They were really good and they were really bad, but they were all faith. Every single one of them. And through it all, God gives us instructions. Here it is. These are our instructions, commands of Christ, particularly in the New Testament. But the entire Bible are the commands of Christ. And so he tells us what we are to do. Another application. I already said this, but be patient. Just be patient. Life is, again, short and full of mess. But when we are in this short life, you know, it feels like forever, doesn't it? It feels like when you're going through the most difficult time, it feels like this is the hardest time I've ever had. And I'm not sure I can make it to Tuesday of this week or Friday, next Sunday. Well, know that people have come before. Work to cast off sin, be efficient, and keep on running with patience, looking to Christ. Another application. The reward at the end of the race is all is is it makes it all worth it. First um, Corinthians two nine, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. Truth number four, final truth this morning: we must keep our eyes on the goal. Look at verse two. And there's so much here. I have, hey, we're not going to spend much time here, but look at verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, I, I emphasize Him because He's the example, He endured the cross, 
despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So if we are to run this race, the race of the gospel, we must keep our eyes on the goal. Now, there is a reward, of course, at the end of the race, and this is a great mystery as to all what entails that reward, because Paul says we can't imagine the, di- the difference between the suffering now and the glory then. We, we don't know. Great mystery there. But at the same time, who is our reward? What is our reward? And God says in the Old Testament with Abraham, I am your shield. I am your reward. It's the same principle from the Old Testament to the New. Jesus says, I am your reward. John 14, 1 to 6. Listen to these words. Jesus says, right before he gets ready to go to the cross, and he knows he's going to die, knows he's going to rise again, knows he's going to send the Father. And he says, I'm leaving you, though. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled to the apostles. These are words for us. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And what does Jesus say? Most famous one, most famous verses in the Bible, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. <clears throat> Excuse me, in the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So at the end of all the promises of Hebrews 11, who, who what did they get? They got Christ. They got Christ Himself. So in the same way, we, we get Christ. We, we have Christ now, but we will get Him in a manner of speaking because He is at the end of the race. We live by faith now and we keep our eyes on Christ. Because apart from Christ, what can you do? What can we do as Christians? Jesus says, apart from me, you can do a few things. No. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. We cannot enter the race. <laughs> we cannot run the race. We cannot finish the race. We cannot, certainly cannot win the race. I think of the words of Paul who says, I press on to the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3.14. So I think about, just think about the goal. One more illustration today. Sorry, Caleb, you're kind of new to us. We've got to bring you in on this one. But me and Mark, funnest thing ever, went over to Caleb's house to shoot guns, okay? And uh, after putting us through a couple hours of gun safety, not really, just a few quick minutes, so we began to shoot different kinds of guns. And we didn't just aim anywhere. It was, he had, it was set up perfect on the side of a hill, so you're shooting into the hill. But we shot at targets. And we shot at one target had a bullseye. Others did not, but they were still. You knew exactly what you were aiming at. And it's amazing that if you're just off um, in, the, in the sight, just doesn't matter how much you're off. You're off of just milla, whatever, the tiniest little bit. It's going to throw that, that trajectory of that bullet off quite a bit of ways down where, where you're going. So it's all about, it was all about really getting that sight right and getting that aim right. Um, and, and, and so I think that's a picture 
In the same kind of way, we keep our eyes, keep our sights on the bullseye, who is Jesus. And he's not just a target, but he is the bullseye of everything, of all of our efforts in this life. If we miss this, if you miss it, if I miss it, we miss everything. We don't hit, we don't hit anything. So with the Hebrew Christians of this letter, they were moving away from the bullseye of revelation. They had come to Christ in, in their profession, and now apparently, I think some of them certainly were going back to Judaism. They were leaving Christ. But the author reminds them and us, chapter 1, verse 1, he says to those Hebrews, Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He's spoken to us by His Son. And listen to these words. Whom He has appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature. What does that sound like? That's God. He upholds the universe by the word of His power. And then it moves on to his humanity. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And then, after these verses, as we know, he goes on in the letter to, to lay down who Jesus is and what he came to do. And throughout the letter, he gives instructions as to how they should live. But the most important thing of all is what we come to, I think, here in Hebrews 12. One and two, as these applications are going to come. Really important verses. Christ is the goal. Look unto Christ. Christ is the goal of our minds. So that means think about Him. Think about what the Bible tells us about Him. Think historically about His life, but think about Him. So it's, it's the focus of our mind. Our mind is not focused on everything else in the world. Our, our mind is focused on Christ because He is our life. Without Him, we can do nothing. But also, Christ is the goal of our hearts. These are our affections, the things that, that at the end cause our minds to be fixed upon Him. And so we can say that Christ is our example. And, and I think that's what much of the world does when they read this book, when they read Hebrews, that maybe are not Christians or kind of calling themselves Christians, but really not. They just say Christ is our example. And Christ is our example. Okay, don't get me wrong. He is the greatest example. There is no other example. But the world and many Christians, so-called Christians, stop there. And they say He is only the example. But He is so much more than our example because only one person who is God in the flesh laid down His life on the cross to take our sins. Only one person in this way rose again and now ascended to the right hand of God the Father. And so He's so much more than our example. He is the one that gives us faith. He's the one that gives us the power to live. He is the one that gives us the Holy Spirit. And so we must keep our minds, our hearts focused, fixed upon that target, the bullseye, who is Christ. Applications. First application, as we try to wind this up today. We must pay attention to the details of doctrine, particularly the gospel. 
We must get the gospel right. I think if a church gets the gospel wrong, then the church will just become liberal and move away from the gospel. It happens all the time, but it doesn't happen overnight. So we must pay particular attention to the gospel. I would encourage all of us today to memorize one and two. It's a pretty good summary of, of the gospel in some ways, particularly what he did on the cross and how he ascended to the Father. Um, but these verses also speak greatly to his humanity and what he did. Verse 2 says, look there with me, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So when we think about Jesus from these verses and we think about the gospel and getting it right, we, we see that he... I know there's a translation variance here if you've even studied this at all, but I believe this is the right translation. I believe it speaks of, I believe Christ did have great joy to come to do what he did. And he laid his life down on, on the cross, which this verse speaks about. But what did he do through all the 30 years and in the laying down of his life? What did he show that the writer of Hebrews is trying to get through to those folks? He's saying, run the race with endurance, be patient. Jesus did that. He was very patient through it all. He endured. And then he died, he rose again, and he ascended to the Father. And so we must get the gospel right from the beginning before we can really live it out. And so that's very important. I think right doctrine will produce right living. Okay? And there's a lot more we can say there than just the gospel. I, would, I, would, I, would, I think the, what, even the difficult things, even the doctrines of grace, we might say, uh, um, just the entire Bible, there's a lot of hard things there. But we must get doctrine right if we are to live right. Um, and so at the end of the day, this is very, very important. And also I think that's one of the reasons as a church, we have, our, we, we have a confession, a very long-standing confession that just has the basics of the gospel and so that's the first application another application um, there's more than just getting it right and I've, I've mentioned this throughout but to look unto Jesus is also to love him this is the first and greatest commandment love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength that's what we're after if it, we as pastors could get our sh sheep we might say or you as sheep could get your pastors to love this would be of great place um, and, and I think we do a bit we, we do love um, but the goal is to love God with all our heart soul mind and strength we, <clears throat> that's what we must do to finish the race another application maybe some of these applications for you you think ah oh, yeah that sin is clinging to me that weight is there mm, I'm not so patient um, my endurance is pretty bad my affections are not so great when I talk about the heart. Because I would look inwardly there and say the same thing. My affections just seems these days, I'm in a slump. I'll just be honest. My affections, I, but I, all I can do is keep being faithful and keep praying to God that He would give me grace. And so my application for us now is some of these sins that you're thinking, I need to get rid of. And, you, and then at the same point, you feel conviction. Well, First John 1. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. See, the Bible is written for us to us that we might not sin. 
But which of us do not sin? We're all sinners. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. So that's the best news of the day, guys, from if you hear this sermon. That's it. We have an advocate. The Lord Jesus laid down his life for your sins if you are a Christian. Your sins are covered. He's thrown them as far as the east is from the west. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So our application is this morning, look unto Christ. Confess your sins and he will forgive you for your sins. By way of summary and conclusion this morning, if we are to endure, we must keep our eyes focused on Christ. He is the fulfillment of all of God's promises. And we must remember something very important from the context of these verses. Verse 1 it says this race is set before us. Verse 2, it says that his race was set before him. There is a parallel in these two verses. That's key. In other words, he has gone before us. <clears throat> and he's done everything we need. Everything we need for life and godliness is here because of what he's done. He is not merely our example. He is also the way. He is the one who gives us power to live. He is the one who helps us. In all of our difficulties by the Spirit. If He were merely an example, where would the power be? So, in closing today, if you are a Christian, continue looking to Christ. Keep that sight right where it should be um, and looking unto Him. If you're not a Christian, I would invite you to trust Christ. Or if you're just thinking about such things or such things you're thinking, you know, I, I was baptized as, as a younger person, but. These are not my affections. These, this is not my experience, what you're saying, John. Then I would say to you now, repent. Ask God to forgive you of your sins and look unto Christ and believe on Him. And, and God will, He will certainly not leave you be or cast you out. So what a wonderful passage we have this morning to run this race. So let's remember, we're not the first to run it. We must run it efficiently. We must keep on running, and then we must keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for another time that we can come together. And, and I know we, we, we put so much emphasis on the preaching and teaching of the Word, but we also give thanks for just the singing of the Word and the singing of the Gospel together as a congregation. And for just the time to sit around brothers and sisters in Christ and talk a little bit afterwards and, and before. Um, so many things we take for granted. May it not be today. And may these words help us, convict us, encourage us. And at the end of the day, may we just continue looking unto Christ and being a church that, that puts Christ where He should be and, and makes you great. Father, forgive us for our sins greatly because we have so many and give us grace to look unto Him. Pray that you would help us as we go and bring us back together uh, when you are willing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church 
China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.